0: I just think of my ch- grandchildren and it just brings tears to my eyes to think of their future. And I just want to do everything I can to make it different. And and I just want to wake up people to say, you know, and if it, we have a lot of power as a consumer just to go and buy the certified organic food, stop buying the toxic food and they won't make it anymore. It's that simple. If we would just do that collectively as consumers, we could change this without having to get regulatory agencies involved.
1: Welcome to The Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. So let's dive in and get started. Today's guest is Dr. Stephanie Seneff, stephanie is a senior research scientist at mit's computer science and artificial intelligence laboratory she has a bachelor's degree in biology with a minor in food and nutrition a master's degree an engineer's degree and a phd in electrical engineering and computer science all from mit For most of her career at MIT, she was involved in the development of technology to support natural human-computer communication through spoken language. Since 2010, Dr. Seneff has shifted her research focus towards the effect of drugs, toxic chemicals and diet on human health and disease. Her writing and research have focused specifically on the herbicide glyphosate and the mineral sulfur. And now she has a brand new, amazing book called Toxic Legacy, How the Weed Killer Glyphosate is Destroying Our Health and the Environment. Stephanie, welcome to the show.
0: So glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: It's an honor. It is a huge honor, and I got a, an advanced copy of this book, which we're gonna we're gonna dive into, um, because the book is now out and about. Well, you know, there's a there's a there's a widespread belief, at least I think a lot of people have, that our health was in good shape prior to 2020. But one of the things that I really loved about your book is when you look at the trends of Alzheimer's, autism, cancer, you name it. Um, You write that something terrible seems to be affecting every living thing on the planet, the insects, the animals, and the health of human beings, including children, and it's something hiding in plain sight. And as you say in the book, Stephanie, that common denominator is glyphosate. I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about glyphosate, like what it is and why it's so unique and so devastating.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, so glyphosate was a real wake up call for me. And I'd been looking for what was causing the epidemic in autism. Initially, that was what caught my eye. And I really wanted to figure it out. I looked at a lot of things and I struck out. And then I just happened to hear a talk about glyphosate um, by Professor Don Huber. He's a retired professor from Purdue University and expert in plant pathology. He was zeroing in on glyphosate as being a major player in in disease, not just in the plants, but also in the, in everything else, you know, all species on earth. And he talked about various um, issues, for example, the gut microbiome, mineral chelation, liver disruption. I mean, there were a lot of critical things that were going on with the autistic kids that I linked to with that talk. And so it really resonated with me. And that was in 2012, September and ever since then, I've just made glyphosate be my main thing. I mean, I've just been reading everything I can about glyphosate and linking it to all these diseases, as you mentioned, that are going up dramatically uh, in, in step with the dramatic rise in glyphosate usage. The, the curves coincide in many cases, astonishingly close uh, correlation. And uh, you you know, people say, oh, well, correlation doesn't mean causation. They're happy to dismiss it, which really shocks me. Because when you see that kind of correlation, the first thing you need to think about is can I find... Can I understand, can I figure out a a causative mechanism by which this chemical could be causing all these diseases? Most people say also one chemical couldn't cause that many diseases. And in the case of glyphosate, that's not true. And this is what I identified in my book, um, a very specific, unique mechanism of toxicity that I believe glyphosate has, which I believe then can explain how all these diseases could be caused by it. Mm. And I should say it's, you know, it's the most common herbicide on the planet the United States uses about 19% of the total world, world supply each year, uh, with 4% of the world's population. So clearly, we here in America have a much higher exposure to glyphosate than other countries, and it's reflected in our very poor health, our extremely expensive healthcare system, which we just can't seem to get a hold, you know, a handle on, because people are so sick. They require a lot of medical care, I think, and they're so sick because they're being poisoned by glyphosate.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, I know you, you say in your book, you know, that the, the chemical companies will say that, oh, it's it's safe because it's just, you know, it just harms the plants. But as you say in your book, the the plants have this metabolic pathway and and maybe humans don't have it, but but microbes have it, and we are predominantly microbial.
0: Right. That's exactly right. The gut microbiome gets hit hard by glyphosate. And that causes this kind of dysbiosis that you see in autism and also in many other diseases. Gut dysbiosis has been linked directly to Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease and rheumatoid arthritis. There are a number of diseases out there that don't look like gut-related diseases, but they are through a cascade process that starts in the gut.
1: Mm, Absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the points is that, you know, if you want to give someone disease, you simply, you know, if you raise toxin level, increase toxin levels and decrease nutrient levels and and glyphosate. Glyphosate seems to accomplish both. And it's it's interesting, Stephanie, how you bring up that it was originally patented as a chelating agent for mineral deposits on pipes. And then next it was patented as an herbicide and then an antibiotic.
0: Right, exactly. The antibiotic is quite interesting. I think that wasn't until 2000 or something. So, um, but it is an antibiotic. It kills. uh, It especially is uh, kills beneficial microbes, which is a huge problem, because the bifidobacteria are really critical in the gut, and they get clobbered by glyphosate.
1: Mm, Unbelievable. And um, you know, it it is interesting how you bring up in the book, um, and it, it is just such powerful information. How you know, again, science and, and many of these companies will say that that this is perfectly safe and that, but when you go back in our history, you brought up how like in the 1940s and 50s, science, so-called science said that DDT was perfectly right. safe. And, you know, we have a history of, of um, you know, kind of overlooking some of the, the dangers here.
0: It seems to be like history repeats itself over and over again. I, we keep on thinking that, oh, you know, well, we've now got the perfect, you know, solution and everything's good. And then we find out, Oh, whoops, that one doesn't work either. We need to really recognize, I think that pretty much all the chemicals, anything that's not natural, I'm suspicious of at this point.
1: Mm, Absolutely. And so it's, so we, we talked about, you know, this, these incredible trends in, in human disease and the autism rates through the roof and um, Alzheimer's and cancer and all this, but it's not just affecting humans, um, as you mentioned, you know, this mass extinction that's going on, um, which is unbelievable, Stephanie. Maybe if you could talk about what's going on in the natural environment.
0: Oh, it's shocking. You know, and we, we, we've been hearing all about the bees and the butterflies disappearing. We have a very big crisis looming with the bees because they're so critical for fertilizing the, the plants to, to allow the crops to grow. And um, and they are just getting absolutely wiped out. And And, you know, people have been looking at the insecticides and, of course, those are going to play a role in the bee colony collapse syndrome, but glyphosate, I think, is playing a, cr- a much bigger role in that than we realize. And especially because glyphosate disrupts the uh, enzymes in the liver that detoxify other chemicals, including the insecticides. So what happens is there's synergistic toxicity when the glyphosate's wiping out the enzymes that would be able to um, handle better handle the uh, insecticides. So they become much more toxic in the presence of glyphosate, and the butterflies are just getting absolutely clobbered. You know, the monarch butterfly used to be all over the place when I was a kid, and I I almost never see one anymore. They're really decimated. And um, monarch, you know, their main food is a uh, is is this uh, weed. It's a um, uh, what's it called? <laughs> I lost the name of it. Um,
1: a weed. Milk a weed. Milkweed. Milkweed. Milk milk okay. Weed.
0: Yeah, which grows in the in the corn, and of course it's a weed in the corn. So they've used glyphosate very well to kill the milkweed growing among the corn crops, and then the um, the butterflies are eating that milkweed that's contaminated with glyphosate, and they're getting sick. They're getting metabolic disorder that that exa- causes them to just um, get exhausted on their way down to Mexico. You know, they have this big migration pathway, and they don't make it because they get, get killed by the glyphosate along the way. Mm-hmm. And then the frogs, of course, the tadpoles. I mean, there have been many studies on tadpoles. They're very sensitive, and you know, it goes into the waterways, and then um, they have their skin is very permeable, and so they just get poisoned right straight through the skin, the tadpoles. So the frogs are getting wiped out. There's like a 40% of the, I forget if it's 40% of the um, amphibians that have become extinct in, in recent times. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. shocking.
1: Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, I, I know in your book you said, population of mammals birds fish reptiles have shrunk by 60 percent in just four decades yes Um, it's
0: so amazing and i you know i remember as a child i actually always loved nature and i spent a lot of time walking in the woods when i was a child and i remember just in my neighborhood you know in a a suburban town in connecticut there were so many fun things to find outdoors living a species you know the uh, grasshoppers and the beetles and the uh, praying mantises and the bats and the and the fireflies. I mean, there were so many things, living species, out around and about. Mm-hmm. And now I hardly ever see anything alive outdoors in a suburban neighborhood in Massachusetts, which is just not that different from Connecticut.
1: Oh my God, unbelievable! Yeah, that it... even the squirrels are disappearing.
0: You know. <laughs> I
1: know. I know. I mean, it's a, you know, I know you have children and grandchildren. I have a child. I mean, this is going to be a vastly different world that we're, we're giving our future generations. Yes, that's
0: what's got me so stirred up because I just hate the world we're handing over to my grandchildren. It's just so unfair to them what my generation has done to this earth.
1: Absolutely. I I wanted to read the, um, in the introduction of Stephanie's book. And again, this is, this is a must read book, um, that by the time this, by the time this episode is out, you'll be able to get it. So, um, you know, this is a book you really need to read. Um, and, uh, you know, it starts out with this great quote by Jane Goodall. And she says, we haven't inherited this planet from our parents. We've borrowed it from our children. We have, not borrowed our children's future, we have stolen it. And we're still stealing it now. And it's time we get together, whatever our religion, whatever our culture, get together and start changing the way, changing our attitude, so that we can leave a better world for our children whom we love. Yeah, that's
0: so beautiful.
1: Oh, my goodness. So is this this is a big I mean, this is your this is what's driving you, Stephanie, right now.
0: Absolutely. I just think of my grandchildren and it just brings tears to my eyes to think of their future. And I just want to do everything I can to make it different. And, And I just want to wake up people to say, you know, and if if we have a lot of power as a consumer just to go and buy the certified organic food, stop buying the toxic food and they won't make it anymore. It's that simple. Mm. If we would just do that collectively as consumers, we could change this without having to get regulatory agencies involved.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, Stephanie, would you say that this book is, I mean, it's a, would you say it's a call to action for people? Uh,
0: Absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I just, um, A Wake up call, you know, because I think a lot of people don't know, of course, the government is very lax about it. They don't even bother to test glyphosate. Various consumer organizations are finding lots of glyphosate in lots of foods that parents should be really concerned about. Things like Oreo cookies, goldfish crackers, um, Cheerios. I mean, these are very common foods that children eat and they're loaded with glyphosate. So it's not something that you're just getting here and there. You're getting it every day. And you're getting it also from the air, from the water. I mean, I found, a, a, a there's been a lot of papers coming out recently showing that glyphosate causes toxicity at extremely low levels, below regulatory limits in animal studies. And also it's being found. So for example, in Brazil, there's a new study out from Brazil, and they looked for glyphosate in nanoparticles in the air, and they found it. In the fields where glyphosate was being sprayed on the crops, but more ominously, they found it higher concentrations in the nanoparticles in the city, mm. where glyphosate was not being sprayed on the crops mm. in the city. And and this is because I think of the biofuel industry, which also has me very concerned. We're using, you know, we're trying to deal with the oil crisis and use less oil, which is a good idea. And one concept is to take crops and turn them into useful fuels. And so this has been an industry that's been growing uh, in size, especially recently, last few years, especially in America. You know, We we play a leadership role. We have 10% ethanol, bioethanol, in our gasoline in this country. Mm. And that bioethanol is derived from GMO roundup ready corn. I think it's contaminated with glyphosate, and I think that glyphosate is leaking out into the air prior to combustion. And then there's also biodiesel, there's biomethane, I mean, there's all these different biofuels that are coming out of crops that are being sprayed with glyphosate, wheat crop, you know, sprayed with glyphosate, then harvest the wheat, glyphosate goes into the bread and you get celiac disease. Meanwhile, you take the stalks, you know, heavily loaded with glyphosate, run them through a process and turn them into fuel. And that fuel is going to have glyphosate in it too, I would bet money. I mean, now people aren't investigating this, but they should be because I think the glyphosate in the air in the cities and in the highways is contributing to the COVID-19 crisis because I have a whole chapter in my book showing how glyphosate affects the immune system. It's very I think glyphosate is very toxic to the immune system, making it weak. And so then when you breathe in, when you get infected with COVID-19 and you've got glyphosate in your lungs, your your lungs are not able to fight the virus off.
1: Okay, just a quick note here. Chelsea Green Publishing is our sponsor this month, and they are the publisher of Stephanie's new book, Toxic Legacy, How the Weed Killer Glyphosate is Destroying Our Health and the Environment, and as a special bonus for all of our listeners, receive 35% off your total order from Chelsea Green by using the discount code POD35, that's P-O-D-3-5 at checkout. So you can grab a copy of Stephanie's book, just visit chelseagreen.com. Let's get back to the show. You know, Stephanie, one of the things also I took away from your book is just that the regulators are really not doing, not doing the job at all, and that and almost as though we, we can't really rely on them, that we have that as, as, a, as a species, as people, as human beings, we have to kind of do this job ourselves.
0: I absolutely feel that way. And this is from my own personal experience. You know, it's not from not trying. I've tried in several different states and also in the U.S. government. A whole team of us on our own nickel went down to Washington, D.C. to present our studies on glyphosate to the EPA. And we basically were met with, with a cold shoulder. I mean, they, they they agreed to meet with us and they wasted a lot of time fooling around, gave showed up late and then we had to rush through our presentation. They had a complete lack of interest in it, no questions. I mean, it was really weird and nothing came of it. And, and so this was just really frustrating for me mm. to go through all that effort and to get nowhere with it. So I just gave up on the government at that point. I had had bad luck with all the I'd, I'd done it in, in Pennsylvania, you know, in Massachusetts and in Hawaii. And in, in all cases, it was very frustrating. And now Mexico, you know, Mexico had agreed, had decided to ban glyphosate to phase it out by twenty twenty four. I was so thrilled, right? And I just heard a couple of days ago that the U S. and of course the industry managed to pressure Mexico into backing down. I was just really afraid that was going to happen, and now it has happened.
1: Hmm. Wow. It's
0: so infuriating. Our country is making sure that other countries don't ban glyphosate for some crazy reason. I mean, I don't understand what is the matter with our government, to be honest. <laughs> with you. It's Seriously? very frustrating.
1: For that me. is that is. But 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 absolutely. You, you make it so crystal clear that this is why everyone has to read this book as a first step. If you're if like, like you say in the book, you know, if you if you eat food, if you have a child or if, even if you know a child or if you know an animal or a plant or whatever um you you need to read this book i think as the first step and then you're just going to see because stephanie i mean you lay it all out you lay it all out there for people
0: yeah thank you
1: and then and then it's just a matter of and then then taking action is just going to be be natural so stephanie if you had some of the listeners if they were if they were sitting with you right now um what message might you tell them
0: yeah well i mean i think it's just so crucial for your health and especially if you're having health issues Uh, You really should think in terms of your food, because I think that's where health starts. You need to eat healthy food in order to be healthy. And I cannot emphasize that enough. So I think any extra money you spend on buying healthy food is you're going to get that money back in your reduced healthcare costs. I really believe that. Of course, you're going to feel a lot better, too. All your symptoms are going to go away. It's, It's just totally worth it. So eating certified organic is number one. Eating whole foods is number two, not processed foods. Stay away from processed foods as much as possible. Number three, I say get out in the sunlight without sunscreen and without sunglasses. Sunlight is healing, and I talk a lot about that in my book. Now, one unfortunate thing about sunlight is that glyphosate disrupts melanin in the skin and probably disrupts other enzymes in the skin that are involved with, for example, example, vitamin D. And um, so it disrupts... uh, glyphosate interferes with the benefits that you get from the sun and possibly can even cause the sun to be toxic. So that's another reason why you eat healthy. Then you can afford to be exposed to the sun and get its healing effects as opposed to the potential for things like skin cancer. Um, So I am very much a believer in in uh, sunlight, and I talk about it in my book why I feel that, that it's important not just for vitamin D. And you may know that vitamin D deficiency is a tremendous risk factor for bad outcome with COVID-19, glyphosate not only messes up the, um, the production of vitamin D in the skin, but it also messes up the uh, activation of vitamin D in the liver, and that may be more important. The cytochrome P450 enzymes in the liver are so crucial for so many things, and one of them I mentioned is detoxifying other toxic chemicals, but also for activating vitamin D. And so yeah, I think the epidemic that we're seeing today in vitamin D deficiency may be directly linked to um, glyphosate.
1: Mm, wow. And um, Stephanie, I know, I know this. Another big theme in your work is sulfur. Yes. And sort of the maybe, maybe just just tell some of the listeners about the power of sulfur and how they can you know get it in their lives.
0: Right. And so I, and that's the other thing I was going to say next was high sulfur foods, and especially uh, organic sulfur, basically sulfur-containing amino acids. That's cysteine, methionine, and. Um, uh, <laughs>
1: Cysteine, I methionine, was there another, oh, homo- um, There is, an, uh, pro,
0: I want to say proline, but that's not right. Um, I can't believe I lost it. <laughs> not gl- glycine? Good access problem. Uh, glycine, no, glycine doesn't contain sulfur, although glycine is, of course, very important because glyphosate is a uh, is an analog, amino, amino acid, analog of glycine. So I think taking making sure to get a lot of glycine is important to counteract glyphosate's effects. Taurine was the one Taurine, I was yes. Taurine, yes. sulfur-containing amino acid. And um, anyway, but so foods that contain uh, sulfur-containing amino acids tend to be uh, animal-based foods. So I actually uh, like, for I don't, I'm not vegan, and I don't like the idea of not eating any meat. I don't say eat lots of meat, but I think, um, uh, of course, not um, you know, k cows, the uh, the confined animal feeding operation cows, which are probably toxic because of their exposure to glyphosate. But if you eat grass-fed beef and and dairy products, I like dairy, butter, and um, and fermented um, dairy like um, yogurt and sour cream, and um, and then uh, eggs. Eggs are a really good source of sulfur. Mm. Organic, of course, you know, uh, never caged, organic. Just buy the highest end eggs you can find. In my opinion, that's worth the extra money. And um, and then seafood. If you live, you know, if you live near the sea, uh, oysters and clams and crabs and uh, lobster. They're all extremely healthy. They have so many micronutrients. It's important to get abundant uh, minerals and vitamins, and uh, B vitamins is another area where glyphosate is messing things up, and that comes directly out of that shikimate pathway that glyphosate disrupts. The the gut microbes produce B vitamins for the host, and that production process gets messed up by glyphosate. So we have various B vitamin deficiency problems as well Mm -hmm. in the modern world. And of course, glyphosate chelates minerals, I mentioned that earlier. It binds very strongly to uh, manganese and zinc and iron. And so those cobalt, um, they're going to become deficient in the presence of glyphosate. And at the same time, they can become toxic in the presence of glyphosate because it basically derails the entire system that the body has come up with for transporting and delivering these minerals to where they need to be. So they, you know, iron is both toxic and deficient simultaneously. Manganese, too, in the presence of glyphosate. Mm.
1: So it is it's like a perfect I mean, glyphosate, really, it's just like a perfect storm because. Like we said earlier, I mean, you're creating this chelating property. So creating all these deficiencies, impairing detoxification, um, you know, and just destroying the microbiome. I mean, literally, it's it's uh, it's really doing doing some damage.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just amazing how much it spreads out. I mean, I just as I was learning about it when I first came back from hearing, uh, you know, um, the, the talk that I heard on glyphosate in 2012, by Don Huber. I was, um, I was just blown away. And I th- Actually, the first thing I found after I came back was a paper by Seralini uh, uh, in France, uh, Professor Seralini and his team, um, that talked about uh, low-dose exposure of glyphosate to rats over their entire lifespan, and that was actually a real breakthrough paper because up until that point in time, people had assumed that glyphosate wasn't toxic at low doses and therefore you didn't ever need to even study it, it would just be wasting your money studying glyphosate at low doses. And, um, and Monsanto had shown that, you know, they do three-month studies, and after three months, things look okay, and you're done, because they defined in the industry that you didn't have to look longer than three months. The problem with glyphosate is that it's a slow kill. So Seralini found after three months, his exposed rats were doing fine. They didn't really have any obvious problems compared to the controls. They started to have problems at four months, and by the time they died, they had lots of problems. There were massive mammary tumors in the females, liver and kidney damage in the males, all of them had reproductive issues and they had a shortened lifespan. And they were Mm -hmm. exposed to uh, dosages of glyphosate that were below regulatory limits. That was a real wake up call because then after that, since 2012, we've had a lot of papers and especially the last few years. I can hardly keep up with them anymore. There are so many papers coming out Mm -hmm. of researchers doing studies on low dose glyphosate exposure and showing, for example, that when you expose a female rat while she's pregnant, to glyphosate, you can cause, um, to low dose glyphosate, that doesn't seem to affect her at all. Even her pups look fine. But now you start to look at the second and third generations and you see you know, major problems emerging. So this is an epigenetic effect that glyphosate has on the, on the germline in the fetus that gets uh, that appears in later generations. It's quite fascinating science, but very disturbing because this means that our children now are our, uh, our suffering from exposures that we might have had 20 years ago.
1: Stephanie. So, you know, you're in the middle of this, this all you've written this great book and um, you're spreading the word, you're fighting the good fight. Um, what are some of the practices, daily practices that you have that, that help to keep you more grounded and maybe more peaceful?
0: <laughs> well, that's t- mostly what I just told you. Just getting out in the sunlight, exercising, you know, taking a walk on the beach, I think that's a fantastically healthy thing if you live near the ocean. Um, grounding is important because I talk about um, electricity in the body in my book. I, 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 and of course, the sulfur thing, I don't know how much I got into that, but that's a very complicated story. And my book covers a lot of it uh, with respect to the sulfur system. Glyphosate, I believe, just disrupts many enzymes involved in sulfur homeostasis, and uh, you're you're picking up these sulfur-containing amino acids. Glyphosate's been shown to uh, suppress the uh, very important sulfur-containing antioxidant called glutathione. A lot of people have heard about glutathione. Even people can take it as a supplement, Um, and it it contains um, cysteine, which is one of the sulfur-containing amino acids, and it's extremely important in the mitochondria for keeping them safe. And glutathione gets both depleted and oxidized by glyphosate. It's been shown in multiple studies, meaning that it, if it's oxidized, you it can't do its antioxidant protection. It won't work if it's oxidized. And um, and this, I think, is a crito- critical part of how glyphosate damages the liver and, and, of course, all the other organs as well. I mean, a- mitochondrial dysfunction is a major component of many, many diseases. And glyphosate clearly disrupts the mitochondria. So that is really one way in which it can affect so many diseases.
1: Anything else that you'd want to add Stephanie for for the listeners if they're feeling um you know if they're feeling just a little bit uncertain about what are some of the next steps that they should take or there is there anything that you would want to you would want to tell them as far as glyphosate or sulfur or anything big that you know that's that's on your mind? I don't
0: know how big but there is certainly another um that I thought of, which is uh, fulvic acid and humic acid, that people have had some success in taking fulvic acid and humic acid, which are organic matter from the soil, as a way to help to bind. I think it binds to glyphosate and takes it out through the feces. So it's a way to help reduce your glyphosate exposure. And also eating probiotics. I mean, I really like, as I mentioned, the um, fermented um, milk products, but also, of course, cheese is there too, cheese and yogurt and sour cream, but also fermented vegetables, especially, for example, fermented cabbage. So uh, sauerkraut or uh, apple cider vinegar is another one that I like. So to try to get work some fermented foods into your diet, and also to eat lots of herbs and spices. So really spice up your food. Um, really pay attention to your food. Spend more time in the kitchen, I would say, you know, to make, make wholesome meals. Um, make food more a center of your lifestyle, I think, is an important thing. Because in America, we're all so busy all the time. We kind of just grab a hamburger, you know, uh, yeah. for lunch, and it's, uh, it's, it's, we're paying for it in terms of our health.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, on some level, at some level, it seems like we do, I mean, with just this heavy toxic load, we have to work a little bit harder or really, as you said, prioritize food, getting outside and all that stuff.
0: Exactly. Make time for those things because it's really, really important for your long-term
1: health. Mm. So do you make your own yogurt and kefir and all that kind of stuff? I
0: haven't gone that far. We always (laughs) buy certified, we buy certified organic plain yogurt and then we make our own, you know, we mix it up with our own, um, Jellies and things like that to make um, to make yogurt. Um, I love sour cream. I don't do anything fancy. I've been wanting to. Um, I would love to be able to grow uh, sourdough bread to make sourdough bread because I love sourdough bread. Of course, always organic. Definitely want to get organic bread because it's loaded with glyphosate if it's not organic. But the uh, yeah, I don't do any of that. I would love to have a a, a, a sauerkraut going that I could just you know keep it going
1: and, and
0: yeah, cabbage and get more. But um, I haven't I haven't had time to do that
1: we had a few months ago, we had Sally Fallon on Sally Fallon. So I
0: know,
1: I know you've done some events with her. So yeah, she was, she inspired me as far as, so I have, I have a, I've also had Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride Mm -hmm. on. She's a good friend of mine. And so I've had, you know, I've got my sauerkraut, I've been doing the raw milk, yogurt, and I'm it, it's... Jealous.
0: <laughs> I really <laughs> should, I really should learn to do that. I just have to get more time. I'm so busy reading papers, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. I would love um, to
0: have time to do that sort of thing. Maybe, maybe once we straighten up the world, right?
1: <laughs> get the right, time. exactly. I I'm sure, I'm it. sure you will. I'm sure you will get to it. Um, But, uh, you know, my final question that I ask everybody that's on the show, if you had the opportunity to travel back in time, say, 50 years, what words of wisdom would your current self share with your younger self?
0: (laughs) I guess I would want to warn them about the chemical industry and the monstrous uh, drugs and whatnot that are coming down the pipe if we don't uh, stop it now. I think we should have. Been much more aware of the dangers of toxic chemicals uh, in the environment and um, to be wary of anything new that's being introduced on the market.
1: Absolutely. Stephanie, where can people go to learn more about you and your book and all of this good stuff?
0: I have a webpage, stephaniecentive.net, and then in there there's a uh, slash book where you can find all the different booksellers that are currently selling my book for pre order. Uh, stephanie slash book um, but stephaniecentive.net in general uh you can explore that space
1: absolutely stephanie we will um we'll link up with um you know in the show notes and everything but um you're you're doing amazing work and again um i hope everyone will pick up this book toxic legacy and read it you're gonna it's gonna blow your mind and it's gonna get you um inspired to um to be on the front lines with stephanie and and every and me and everybody because um this is um this is big stuff thank you so much for having me all right stephanie thank you so much take care bye-bye Thank you for listening to the Drew Curlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.